Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Justin the Food Entrepreneur Show. I'm Justin Bizarro. I'm your host. That's B-I-Z-Z-A-R-R-O. For anyone who's out there, you can find me on Instagram at Justin the Food Entrepreneurs. You can also find me personally at Justin Bizarro on Threads, Instagram, and Facebook. And you can find this show or any of the other shows we do on Spotify or wherever else you grow yourself through podcasts. And again, just type in my last name. B-I-Z-Z-A-R-R-O, and all of those shows will show up. So I'm going to jump right into the episode. We've had some hiccups here getting started, and um, I'm going to introduce our guest. It is part two for him. I loved part one. He is the founder and operator of Doughboys out of Rochester, New York. Jim Zobel, how are you doing today? I'm great, man. Having a super productive day off already, and you know nice weather out here so and i and i've always wondered um like how is like this pizza pizza is a hot food does it do better in the summertime because the kids are off school like how does you how is your business reacted does it do better in the summertime or is it better generally in the winter time um fall is definitely the best time of the year um we're we're at buffalo bills bar on as well so um during football season we 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 crank so um but pizza itself we sell the most pizza during fall and winter i think because it's like a wood fire thing so it's like you know i don't know wood fire it's cozy it's relaxing um comfort food so i mean there is the buffalo bills territory there so explain that a little bit to me because i think the fan you guys as fans up there are a little larger than than we understand yeah the the bills mafia is nuts man um yeah so when the mortalis bought the bar they they wanted to turn it into a a bills bar on top of it but they didn't want it to be a sports bar that was like their biggest thing we don't want it to be a sports bar but we do want you know we do want to capture that that feeling of you know celebrating and enjoying our sports team so um they're big bills fans and they wanted it to be you know basically just a a bills thing so um last year we we rolled it out and it went really well uh we started seeing a big following like regulars every single week being at you know in their bills gear and then they started doing every time the bills score like a free shot of uh tully so Irish whiskey. So, you know, it kind of gives people a little more incentive to come out and, you know, sit at the bar for four to six hours and watch the team and, you know, have a couple beers and, you know, do some shots and celebrate. We turn on the music, the, the Bills anthem every time they score, you know, it, it gets a little rowdy in there. So we like to have fun and do all that stuff. Well, and you share a name after their greatest quarterback, Jim Kelly, and I believe he took the, the Bills to the Super Bowl four years in a row. He did oh, not yeah. win, but he did go four years in a row. All four, too, yeah. which is sad, but yeah, I remember. Yeah. I think the first year was against the Redskins, um, if I yeah. remember correctly, um, and I was living in Washington at the same time and a Redskins fan. So this is interesting. He shares your name, obviously, Jim Kelly. But obviously, what a leadership. Uh, Blue-collar town, Buffalo. Uh, same with Rochester. Uh, no different than, I would say, Pittsburgh in a lot of ways or Philadelphia. Uh, very yeah. dedicated to their sports. Also, the Buffalo Sabres are quite a team. Yeah. 
Sabres have been great. Well, they're on their way up now, but yeah. Two thousands, they had, they won the President's Cup in two thousand seven. There, you know, nothing's like a like a Sabres game when those when those guys are hot. the The energy is crazy. It's nice that we get to have it like forty five minutes away. We can go at any time, you know. Yeah, and I love that because I think just that area. I mean, there's not a basketball team up there. There's not a soccer nope. team yet. Um, but I hope that you guys get a basketball team. I hope you guys get a soccer team actually because the soccer is expanding across the country and they are doing basketball expansions i know las vegas just got a basketball nba team and then seattle's getting another nba team since they lost the sonics i don't even know it's been like 20 years maybe but seems like a long time ago i think they they became the pelicans maybe or was it charlotte moved there i can't or grizzlies i don't remember how it all worked but the sonics became another team and yep. so it's cool that they have a team coming back as well as Las Vegas is getting a basketball team. So Las yeah, Vegas is, is really cool. dominating in Expansion sports. all over the place, which is yeah. really cool. Yeah, and like the thing with Buffalo is I do know there's a soccer presence up there. I used to go up there for soccer tournaments all the time. Man, Rochester yep. actually. Uh, both places. You have a presence there. You obviously have the football team, the hockey team. I think it's only a matter of time before there's a basketball team also up yep. there because I, there is the presence and with expansion you know if i was betting on a place to go i'd go to nashville or <laughs> buffalo for the next nba expansions just saying and there's a lot of cities in texas as well but i would say those nashville is growing as well uh they have a hockey team a soccer team and a football team the titans so basketball would be there but just from the sense of fans buffalo's a level above all else and that's yeah, one of the things crazy. And I just think the loyalty there that you guys have is just incredible. Um, there's nothing quite like it. And I went to college. I had a fraternity brother from Rochester, New York. Actually, his name was Wes Stevens, and he was a crazy Buffalo Bills and Sabres fan. And I do remember when they won the the President's Cup, and I do remember how crazy he was about watching those games in 2007 well even they were in a, they did really well from like 2005 to 2008 I remember maybe even a little bit longer just as a team yeah. they had that was sort of one of their primes uh, errors right there so let's yeah, talk go ahead yeah just the city of Buffalo in general just like the amount of love and passion they have for their sports teams they they really they they bleed that and ride for sure. Yeah, and I did a, lo- a Meals on Wheels program out of there for many, many years um, and uh, had a kitchen there that we operated and uh, and ran uh, that did quite a few meals um, every year. So that was kind of cool. So I have some experience there. I've never seen snow like that or, or in Wisconsin. Oh. Those two places, the Great Lakes, they produce snow. like, And I lived in Colorado for like the last nine years of my life. You know, yeah, and still yeah. Colorado so doesn't even compare. Right. Colorado okay. doesn't even compare to Buffalo. I'm just saying. Yeah, that oh, accumulation that that yeah. that Buffalo and Western New York gets, it's 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 sometimes never ending. <laughs> you blink your eye and there's four feet of snow, and it's yep. seriously, it's that fast. It's and it so can fast. In an hour. Yes. It's, it's crazy. And I like, you know, you don't, the term whiteout definitely comes from the Great Lake regions. I just don't know. Right. I mean, maybe in the mountains, in the Rocky Mountains here and there, it happens for sure. But still, 
the humidity that you get from the lakes is way different than the Rocky Mountains, and it's just thick, dense, yeah, heavy amounts of right snow. Now, which is like, you know, a little exhausting sometimes when you got yeah. three, four months of it, but I mean, we'll take it. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about your business. Let's talk about you. Yeah. Um, you know, we talked a little bit before about entrepreneurs and, and sort of mentors in your life. I just want to touch back on it. Um, you know, sort of, you know, who were the, the people you mentor, who that you looked up to in life that sort of maybe even mentored you? What are the people that invested in you? Or should I say role models? Maybe they weren't directly, you didn't know them directly, but maybe they were sports. I don't know. But talk to me a little bit about the entrepreneurs in your life, or maybe there were sports figures since we're talking about that, or anyone that sort of has really had impact on you. I know we talked a little bit about it last episode, but I just want to go yep. really into detail on this particular yeah. topic. I'd probably have to say like my the biggest influence is definitely my Uncle Frank. Um, just like growing up, I, he started a business from you know basically his garage, you know what I mean, selling cars. So, um, and he was also my godfather and I know you're Italian. So, you know, like in in an Italian family, your godfather is like, you know, very important to you. And, you know, they, they're there the whole step of the way, most of the time. And, you know, as a kid, he'd always pick me up and take me for my birthday and get me whatever I want. And, you know, he always had this, this, uh, demeanor about him. Like he always carried himself with like relaxation confidence and like you know just like everything's always okay so you know i always looked up to that and like it's really helped me with my career with um you know managing people and finding you know you know what works for most people and what doesn't and you know leadership most importantly and um yeah my uncle frank's just always been there um never had an issue with like you know, if I needed something between life crises versus business adventures, you know, I mean, he's always there for a good year. And now his business is over 30 years old and he's super successful. And, you know, he's also got a great team under him. And it all starts like from like the foundation of hard work, dedication, and like having that you know, walking around with that confidence and like making sure everything's all right, you know, it's it's easy to to say it but to live it every day is like the the challenge that you know you that's where i gain the most respect love and passion for is like just the day-to-day grind of somebody being consistent in what they do and what they love to do so you know uncle frank definitely definitely did a lot to influence me in my in my career and you know i'm thankful that to have somebody that of that statue you know what i mean so I think that tr- uh, composure, that tranquil, the tranquility, uh, but composure in particular under stress, like it's what makes great athletes, you know, the, the ability to fail but stay composed, the ability to trip but stay composed, the ability to have shit going wrong around you and stay composed right. is really a big deal when it comes to leadership. And so I think that you touched upon something that's, that's really important. And I would say that in Italian families, we we don't always have that modeled for us. The word hot blooded would be an example. The temper flaring, the the rage that happens yeah. sort of is there. Yeah. And I would say at even I grew up in an Italian family. 
obviously. And my father was a businessman and CEO of a company that did 122 airline kitchen runner. But one of the things that he did not demonstrate for me was composure. Okay. Things were very zero to 60 emotionally. And um, so it's interesting, but I did have role models, particularly in school and in coaches. And then eventually in like mentoring in business that did show tranquility, you know, I, and um, there is a difference between composure, tranquility, and then like, I would say undermine calmly, you know, there's this aura of confidence and they are almost honest to a fault, uh, I would say, but they deal with things very tranquilly. Uh, they compose leaders and, and I don't think there's a fault in being honest, but sometimes the thing that gets them in trouble is their ability to be composed and honest and deal with things directly. For sure. sure. Like, I, I don't think there's one time in my entire life that I see my uncle Frank flustered or going off the rails, you know what I mean? Like, or even mad, like, the composure is just like, you know, he, he lives it, you know what I mean? So he carries himself well with it. And that that's something I envy, especially when you got employees, you know what I mean? So... Yeah, I always one of the things I have to say is like, especially when I was younger, I wondered because I want I was stereotypically calmer, composed, playing sports, being in business. But I always wonder if I was missing something because my dad could be like deal with things so intently would be the word would angrily uh, quickly to to deal with something quickly to react and I always thought huh maybe that's why he's done so well in life but the reality is is it probably hurt him more than it helped him especially now since I did as his son pick up some of those qualities later in my life as I got older I had less patience Uh, and I realized that that's a disastrous way to handle things you want to turn all the people against you that you've worked hard to lead over a long period of time lose your temper one time and then see how long it takes you to get it back because it's like the it's like this great saying I saw on social media the other day. You know, there's a teacher and he writes 20 math problems on the board and he answers them. He answers one wrong, but he answers all 19 right. And the class starts making fun of the math teacher and blah blah blah. And he goes around, he's like, "You know, I did that on purpose." And here's right. why. Here's the lesson. You know, the lesson is the world doesn't remember if you get 19 things right. It remembers the one time you get it wrong. You know, and they ridicule you and they make fun of you and they tear you down. Okay. And that's true that I've experienced that myself as a leader, as running a business for 25 plus years, you know, all of those things are very true. So I think that that's one of the things I like about composure is it allows you to have the headspace, to have the, the calmness, the tranquility to pick your head up and look at things from a different perspective before you react because reacting to a bad situation only makes it worse and instead of the person you're reacting to being the one in trouble now you're trying to deal with feeling bad that you reacted poorly so right and also being a leader i mean at the end of the day who's going to follow you in a battle when you're acting like that yeah that and that's just a reality like you know when when most people don't want to take ownership or leadership so they follow the leader into that so when the leader is more calm and composed and, you know, doesn't show fear or anything, it's easier to have a bigger group follow him than, you know, than the other guy going off the rails and not being stable, you know what I mean? So, 
it's it's definitely a, a huge characteristic that you know leadership should should own at the end of the day. I agree with you one hundred percent, and I think that um, that you know it's one of those things where, and then you're surrounded by the people that you know. If you're not recruiting with intent, and you're not recruiting and hiring people with with principles as your standard, you're attracting personalities that are similar to yours. The problem with that is personalities that are similar to yours. And if you're a rageful person or you're an angry person or not a not a calm person or a person that flies off the hinge, you are literally mimicking those in your company. If you're slightly, you know, drink too much alcohol, for example, if you're going to have all people with you that are drink too much alcohol or overspend the company's expense report on alcohol. Mm-hmm. Because regardless of what we think, the people that work for us are a reflection of us unless we really concentrate on building principles in our companies. So, you know, I think that's hugely important uh, in our conversation and how that works. So who else? Is there someone else? I mean, your uncle was, uh, that's um, a really strong one. I would one. say my uncle is like like a father figure slash like always being there to like mold and form me in a, that direction when it comes down to actual like culinary wise i would i would have to say uh chef jeremy nucelli who's um one of the best in my eyes the best chef in rochester he's just been doing it for a long time um he's got so much experience with michelin star restaurants he's worked in new york city and that's like uh one of those chefs that like also composure i gravitate towards composure as i'm thinking about this entire conversation um, he's one of those chefs that technique wise is flawless. Everything he does, he executes is always done the right way, but he carries this cool, calm, you know, he treats people with respect and he knows how to get the most out of each individual. And, um, one of the things I've always envied, I've worked with him for probably like 10 years. And one of the things I've always envied was no matter what, what like cards he got dealt what line cooks he hired what people he had in his kitchen he always managed everybody in a different way and he did that because he knew he was trying to get the best it's almost like a chess game when you hire somebody it's like you're trying to figure out their weaknesses and their strengths and you're trying to form them and how how can you create chemistry and put them in different spots to be the best possible like team because people laugh about it but it's like nothing's more true than you're only as strong as your weakest link and like if that person is having trouble in this area then we all need to collectively like focus on that and get us to the next destination that we need to and chef jeremy just is phenomenal at you know setting high standards getting the best out of people treating people with with respect but at the end of the day he still puts out the best product in the city too on top of it so it's like you know that that dude has taught me so much about food wise and technique and carrying myself and you know building a team too so you know i'd have to i have to have to give him all the credit for there i think one of the things that's interesting is 
it's just it's an interesting thing you mentioned about the composure thing also and i do and the technique um and i think our ability to learn is our ability to sort of keep our emotions in check i don't mean that we don't have them they are indicators for us they are they don't need to drive the bus but they certainly let us know if something bad's going to happen or make us aware of the individuals and why they're triggering us and situations so i i want to be careful in how i say this but for you it's obviously very important to you that there's this tranquil, there's this calmness, there's this ability to learn, uh, even under fire, for lack of a better term. And so, um, before we go on, is there anyone else that you didn't mention that you want to talk about before I sort of start tying this up? Uh, definitely uh, my roommate. Okay, uh, I love this. Yeah, he's been uh, my best friend since probably six years old. Um, he runs... He owns uh, Smash It Sports, which is a, a softball company. So basically apparel, bats, hats. I mean, makes all, you know, he's constantly making deals. I think they just signed a deal with Marvel. So now they got Spider-Man and on all their baseball bats and all that. But Ricky has been um, in sales for a big uh, portion of his career. And I don't know, I've never done sales, but I know the attitude and the energy that he carries with making deals and selling things. And it's just a constant grind. So like the, the, the actual effort of the day to day, hard work, staying positive, you know, communication, all that is like, I've, I've graduated, um, gravitated towards, you know, when I live with the guy every day, it's easy to pick his brain on how to you know maneuver in different type of ways and um he he gave me this told me to read this book one day and it's i'm not a reader i not great at reading but um i got it on audiobook and it's called the energy bus and if you guys haven't read the energy bus i highly recommend it get it on audiobook whatever you have to do but it's basically a um, long story short it's about this guy who lives all these huge problems in his life and he's running a team and every day he has to take the bus to get to work because his car broke down and the bus driver teaches him a different lesson almost every day on the bus and he takes all those lessons and he goes to work and he makes this beautiful plan to execute and to become successful but that book changed the way that i looked at people the way I treated people and the way that I took my actual leadership roles to the next level as a chef. So without Ricky, wouldn't be able to get this far for sure. I love this because I think, uh, and I don't know what the book is, but I think the audience, I love when people drop books or anything that helped you become successful in the way that you are, or, you know, he's obviously um, successful. So Let's talk about this sales aspect a little bit because you mentioned the sales piece for him. What right. do you think makes him a good salesman or what I would call a relationship builder? Because I think really good salespeople build relationships. I think he's persistent. He's great with people. Uh, he, when he talks to you, he means it. Like he, he's not, there's no bullshit with him. You know what I mean? Like, yes, he's trying to make a sale, but he's also trying to get to know you as a person first. It's not like he's just doing it to get a paycheck. You know what I mean? He truly loves and cares about what he does. And, you know, when you got that behind you, you know, everything else comes a little bit easier than just 
waking up every day and making sure that you get a paycheck or you meet your quota or you do you know what I mean? So he's a good he's a good ass person. Yeah, and I think people can see that, especially if you genuinely care about providing them with solutions um, to their problems. And it's not just selling them something, not just making a buck here, not just looking like short term, seeing a dollar sign over someone's head and trying to capitalize on it. This person could be a customer for life or a client for life. What is that? Absolutely. What does that look like? And so, but it comes in relationships and it's, you can't fake it. Even if you're trying to like fake it being a long-term relationship, if you're diving into the money too much and it's not mutually beneficial, those relationships don't last. And it's even worse if someone feels pressured into buying some, then they're definitely never buying from you again. Trust right. me, I've been one of those people. And, um, and, and so I like this. Um, how about anyone else before, before, and if you have more, keep going, man, I, I love think, it. I I think that that's that's a that's the top three right there. I that's think the that's, trifecta. I, yeah, I think I, you we got a little bit of friends, a little bit of family, career driven. I think that's that's the three. Now, for sure. and <laughs> and and explain your leadership style then, or the basically your core values, because you mentioned what how everyone else these influences on you, like. And I believe that when we're entrepreneurs, we're always thinking about what the behavior we're modeling or the leadership we're modeling to make sure our business is successful and we have good team members in our businesses. Like, how is all of this translated to you? I mean, at the end of the day, we, we, we work in, I work in such a hard industry right now and it's getting harder and harder and harder. And it's not because of, you know, just you know, we're expanding or all that. It's the fact of like the pandemic has really, really affected hospitality industry in a way of just scaring people away. You know, it's, it's, it's boots on the ground. It's grit. It's hard work. You're not going to get a lot out of it unless you stay doing it for a long time. Um, it's almost like people are scared to, to cook these days. I don't know why I know it's hard work. The hours suck and all that, but the biggest thing is just making sure that my team is happy when they come into work, man. I can't, I can't stress it enough how much I care about that being happy, for sure. And I think part of this really is, is, and I think, the, like, as, eventually as companies grow and they build culture over like multiple, multiple, like, tens of people or even hundreds of people, you can do this where their work life, their work principles match their home principles, and it's like one common thread. However, in food service, because of the, and restaurant business and, and food packaging and you name it, farming, because of the high stress, because of the the actual, you're, hand, ta- you're handling tangible things. It's not just like a job, like I can walk away from at the end of the day, I close the door and like, it's done. Like no food is going bad if you're not selling it. You know, uh, and if you're not open, you're not making money, but you can't be open any hours because not all hours make money. And it's just one of those things that is this constant juggle. So what I find, especially as new entrepreneurs or new businesses, especially in mentoring, is that you have to almost create a home away from home, a place that's safe, a place that's comfortable, a place where there's not bad energy, uh, bullying, Uh, negativity, gossip, 
those type of things, those are the key words I'll use because we don't know what their home life is like. We don't know how if they're arguing with their spouse all the time or their kids are having drug problems or alcohol problems or right. school problems or friend problems or bullying problems. We don't know what that's like. So in order for them to be the best they can be or also discover who they truly are, you're, the place that they work almost needs to be an escape for that. Okay, a place where they can accomplish things, where they can get their little wins every day and stack up those wins, get right. their job accomplished, get feel rewarded for it, feel appreciated with it. And I'm not talking blindly, but I am talking no, about generally. Generally, yep. And especially when you're customer facing or and the customers give feedback in a business so much more so than any other other entrepreneur. That's why I think food entrepreneurs there's way more of us than any other group of entrepreneurs. There's probably more food entrepreneurs than there is in any other sort of life um, life skill I or, agree. Yeah. Or, or choice in life around the world. And again, I always say this, if we voted in politics, we could change world politics as one party. Because I would say that a lot of people in food, regardless of what country you're in, no matter what your government is or how different it is than democracy, we all see life very similarly. You have employees, you're dealing with customers, you're dealing with customer feedback on a basis that's like no other job or entrepreneur journey, period. I don't know Dude, what else I to tell two, you. almost 200 people a day. Yeah. Like sometimes 200 people, new people. That's, <laughs> that's, that's crazy. <laughs> and let's talk about that because I think we talked a little bit about it with your best friend and your roommate like how do you maintain relationships with all these customers because you're literally making impact or an impression i will say or having influence on 200 people a day right i, I think the most important thing is just being real i mean you're good and also not holding your head on the people that you know that you do make the mistakes of like not doing the right thing all the time you know i mean you see so many people, there's bound to be people that are going to say, I don't like that guy and I'm not coming back here. But the problem is you can't hold your head on that because as long as you learn from your mistakes and you keep pushing and you show people that you're a good person, you mean, well, I'm putting all these great products in all these great ingredients into a good product. And I'm, I'm caring about the actual, well, like the, the health of the food that you're consuming and, I think as long as you you really enjoy what you do and you you show people your mission statement or your why you're doing everything and you're honest with them, I feel like that's what keeps your regular customers coming back. I, I'm in 100% agreement with this. And I also think, um, and I will say think, but I know this to be true, the soft skill of growth attracts people to your business. I don't care if you remain a mom and pop shop for the rest of your life in food service. When people see growth in your business or that you're changing or you're experiencing the menu or you have specials and there's these little growths that happen or there's employees that stay around a long time, team members, mm -hmm. and these team members also grow and fulfill their family's dreams, that's contagious. We are social Absolutely. beings. We like being in groups as humans, regardless of what we think COVID taught us, have taught us anything. It's like we like being around other humans a lot, and and we like those friendships. So one of the things that 
happens is if your business, if you're not growing, it doesn't matter if you have the best food in the world. It doesn't matter if you have thousands of people you're serving every day. If you get stagnant and you, you're not investing in the people around you, you're not investing in your business, you're not investing in yourself and your family, weirdly, it's not enough just to have good food and good service anymore. There, it just people don't stay loyal to that, and businesses go under. That's like when they talk about you know the statistics of restaurants in the food game. What they're not accounting for is the environment. Do they have a good support system? Do do they are they a growing positive human? You know, all of those things matter. It's just not a statistic. Oh, fifty percent of the people make it. Fifty percent don't. No, there's. 10 million other little little tweaks that are in there that if you do well your business will be successful yes good food in the food game is the entry ticket to the game but what keeps right. you in the game is the things that we're talking about composure you know you mentioned earlier um what i would call is uh building relationships or that sales side i would it's that ability to build relationships genuinely you know right. and we talked about that and then what you just talked about was being honest like people want honesty and humility they want to know you're just like them that you make mistakes and that you yeah. grow from them because not everyone can grow from their mistakes so being around other individuals that are humble and have humility is important in your business especially Absolutely. in food when you're breaking bread and you don't just like <clears throat> go into like a best buy buy a video game and be done that's your interaction no in food you sit down for a while you eat the food over time even if it's to go like there's all this time building and breaking bread around the food so yeah and, and I, I personally believe like for the foundation of my business it's more important that i teach my employees honesty the exact same way that i take ownership when i make a mistake or if I do something, I'm the first one. We have an open kitchen. So if, if there's a mistake, I'm the first one to go to the table and I say, that is on our, that is on us. We are so sorry. What can we do to make it better? You know what I mean? So I, that foundation of teaching your team that too is also very, very important because owner taking ownership, things happen. People get mad, think, you know, nobody's perfect. But at the end of the day, if somebody can look you in the eyes and say, I fucked up, I'm sorry, that means a lot more than forgetting about the situation. So, you know, teaching, teaching your, your staff that is, a, is crucial to your foundation. And I couldn't agree more. Uh, and I think that that's, you know, the other piece is just accepting responsibility for it, right? Like it's okay. That's it to accept responsibility it's okay to take ownership of our mistakes like it's a very important human thing especially i believe in god uh, and i pray and very much you know how i am spirituality wise um but i believe that that is also our purpose like we make mistakes we make amends for them you know we repent for them however you want to look at it it's no different than in business and when we do that and we align our path that way our businesses do well and i don't care if you're not spiritual think about the outcome of when you're able to admit a mistake how much farther your leadership goes how much farther the team members respect you how much more customers respect you i wish politicians would live this way because we'd have a lot better politicians and i bet you people might actually vote for the politician with humility you know they want strong sure. leaders because they've lived it yeah you know they deal with it and they they know how to fix it because they deal with this adversity you know what i mean they deal with all the problems and you know 
when you sugarcoat something, it's harder to deal with. And then you run away from it. Man up and take ownership and, you know, fail, fail, fail. That's it. And it's one of those things. And I've been, you know, publicly and privately ripped to shreds here and there. And and sometimes I've made mistakes and I've deserved what came at me and I've had to take ownership. But something weirdly, that's one of my superpowers that I think it sounds like it's one of yours, too, is being able to put away my ego and just admit what I did wrong. And sometimes it takes months to get through it and prove yourself otherwise um, to yourself um, or also or fix your business or show that that's not going to happen again in your business. But I've got to say that I don't know any other path that works for a growing business, especially if you have team members in your business that aren't owning their mistakes, that aren't trying to improve. Because if you don't own it, you can't take action to fix it. Right. As a team, we're taking a step back. Yeah. You know, you're always strong as your weakest link. So if that guy doesn't want to accept it, he'd be like, yeah, I fucked up. Then guess what? Now we all are in that situation. We all just took a step back. And now you're, you know, we got to rebuild. It slows us down. Yeah, absolutely. And um, it's and it's so interesting. We started off talking about sports, which was perfect for this episode. And it's funny how these things sort of line up. I don't know if we will that in or it just happens. <laughs> but it's like when you lose a game, it's pretty obvious that you that it's a failure. Okay, but not, many teams aren't like, okay, we're lost. Let's close the franchise. You know, right. no, they're like, okay, let's get, you know, we, maybe we adjust a coach. Maybe we don't, maybe we come up with new plays. We, we analyze what we're wrong and we fix it. You know, maybe there's team member changes. It varies. Maybe the team, the members that are on the team aren't in the right position. There's all of those things. And what I find is that if we look a lot at our businesses the same way, like failure is no reason to lose your mind. I get it. Coaches, we see them all the time, lose their mind, throw their clipboards, all of yep. those things. And I would say during those years where the coaches haven't been, even a Pat Riley, for example, the years he hasn't been composed, they haven't won championships. The year he has a good team and he's in alignment with the team and he's owning his mistakes and the team's owning theirs, they win championships, you know, in the past. Or, you know, same with Belichick, since the, you, you're kind of in New England territory up there. with. But I'm sure Buffalo <laughs> hates the, the Patriots as much as everyone else. So, uh, you know, and hates a strong word, but you know what I mean. So right. the um, the the interesting part about all this is I think it really is who you are. You know, I think that there's a lot of these core values that have made you a successful human uh, and a successful business owner. And one of the things that I want to talk about is your collaboration. Like you're willing to collaborate with other businesses and bring them in. Here you are, you're trying to sell your pizza and you're trying to sell your concept, but you're working with Leon Smashburgers, who's also up there in Rochester. And he goes around and collaborates. That's his business model. He collaborates all over the country. Which is kind of a, I can't even imagine doing that, by the way. But I know he's nuts. He's nuts. <laughs> it's a nuts business model. I, and I've never really said this to him. I think next time I interview him, I'm going to be like, dude, you're you're nuts. How do you just live this way, going from one thing to one thing and not having a standard place to operate? But I mean, he's it, hungry. He's, he's hungry. hungry. Exactly. He wants to make something of this because he wakes up and he loves it so much. That yeah. That's his happy spot. Yeah. It works. He's going to work his ass off to get to being happy. And yeah. His happy spot is smashing 
patties, man. <laughs> you gotta, and if you don't respect it, then you don't follow them. Don't yeah. tune in. But you know, people I love like it. me get off on that stuff, and I want to help and do whatever I can. He's coming back in uh, August twenty first for another pop up at Richmond's. So you know, in two Mondays he'll be back. This time he's bringing double the burgers because he sold out yeah. in an hour last time. So it's unbelievable. Know. Talk about yeah. gaining a presence. I mean, you have the same thing. I mean, by doing the right thing, by being passionate about your business, and you're right, there it's in our constitution in the United States or Declaration of Independence. It's that pursuit of happiness. You know, it's that it's the um and if we don't pursue it, we don't have purpose. And like feeling fulfilled and, and finding the pursuit of our purpose is really that pursuit of happiness. And um, the thing is, is when we do it in our businesses and we find something that really matters to us, we uh-huh. are willing to do whatever it takes. You know, um, it's a declaration sure. of independence. Um, I believe that states it um, just to give everyone, because I can never remember. I always get the two confused sometimes in my head very lengthy documents but i believe it's um it's in the declaration of independence that uh life liberty and the pursuit of happiness if i'm not mistaken i said uh, yeah i think you're right i think i seen that yeah and so the um just for everyone to reference i should know this better as an american citizen honestly i'm a little bit embarrassed normally i remember all these things but a little bit of a health thing a few months ago that my memory weirdly paid the price on it but anyway uh it's getting back though thank goodness so the the um, not to go down a rabbit hole, I want to stay positive here. And so <laughs> the pursuit of happiness and the right to do it, I think, is is what makes entrepreneurship in the United States so so unique. But I think all entrepreneurs ultimately are pursuing freedom, uh, the independence to think. Yeah. But then when they attach it to this pursuit of happiness or pursuit of purpose that we just talked about for Leon, um, that it's pretty incredible. He's an Italian, Australian, American, I guess now, in, <laughs> in a right. lot of ways. <laughs> throw so it <laughs> throw it on there. And um, pursuing the American dream for sure. But also, I mean, the American dream to me transcends America for the entrepreneurs. Um, the American dream can be making a better life for your family. But if you're talking about from the entrepreneurial sense, particularly in food, it's not just American. And so I just right. want to anchor that for the audience. Jim, like yes. what keeps you going? What is your pursuit here with this business? We talked about Leon. I think this is a good segue here. Like what keeps you motivated? What keeps you going? What do you love about dough? Because obviously you love it. You're building on yeah. the podcast twice and we've rescheduled here and there and you're having meetings that you're getting very excited about. I don't know exactly what they are, but I'm excited for you, rooting for, for you. Sure. But what is it that keeps you going, that keeps the, you know, the fire burning hot? I mean, right now it's the, it's the squad. I have a really good team. I mean, I one of my team members came back, Nico, this week from Greece. He went to Greece, for, saw his family for three weeks, came back, and he's just hungry. He's like, I'm ready to go. I want to create specials. I have this idea. I ate this over there. I want to try a little spinoff on it. How do we execute it? I want to do this. And it's just like when the team gets excited about creating food like I do, that, that hits me hard. Like, I love that. Uh, my, other, my other employee, Kara, she came in. She's like, I want to do an Armenian 
pizza today, uh, next week. So I ordered all the stuff and she's going in making a special this week. Nico came in and made a special this week. And it's like really exciting that, I mean, I've been doing this every single day with Doughboys for three years, every week, different specials. And I haven't really missed a beat when it comes down to recreating new dishes. And it's nice that this week I have off Thursday and Sunday and they're working, but they've also created these specials. So now when they come to work, their specials on the menu. You better believe they're putting 250,000% into that special every time they make it. And that's what I love. I love showing them that stuff or showing them different techniques on how to execute something in a different way to make it taste better or for the guests to have a better experience when they're eating it. So this week's a pretty exciting week for me. I'm, I'm pumped to, to have these new specials on the menu and also just giving them the platform to be successful. And while they're doing that, I'm going to be there to make sure that they get to their end goal 150,000% executed fully and we smash it out of the park so that's 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 something that's getting really keeping me going lately this is incredible because the um the the ability to put down your ego and let your team members lead also because this is one of the things i am a firm believer on like if i run meetings i do not lead them Okay, that's people are like, why not? Because I need to rotate the leader because everyone needs to gain leadership skills if my business right. is going to do well. I can't be here 24-7. I can't make every decision. So we have to rotate the leadership. And it's interesting because I've had a lot of business partners that want that control, that want to be the star of the show, that want that front row parking spot. That's what I call it. They want to be that right. front row. Like, no, leading's from the back. Okay, if you look at a pack of wolves, the alpha, alpha's already always in the back. The second alpha yep. is in the middle of the pack. And the the other part about that is all other people take turns to lead. And the alpha eventually becomes an old dog or an old wolf. And they actually yeah. lead from the front then because they have the most experience to identify the things that are going wrong and to identify them in advance. So, And in that case, they are no longer necessarily the leader. They are more like an elder leading from the front they are giving their wisdom as guidance but it's still the alpha's job or the, and the sub alphas to determine what's better best for the pack right. and you know i'm not i don't want to anchor it too heavily there because i rotate No, that's a great way to put it like i i want nothing more than nico or kara or matt all my employees to just start owning shit because when you start owning shit that's where you're gonna fail 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 learn 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 and you're gonna be you're going to develop as a, a cook, a chef, a human so much more faster than you just sitting back and having somebody do everything for you. So, you know, I, I, I love to see it. And um, and I want to go back to the the because I have the my my producer just flashed it on my screen. I want to go back to the pursuit of happiness thing. It's John Locke. He was a philosopher, if you will, a government structuralist. And Thomas Jefferson took the statement, pursuit of happiness, and put it in, in the uh, Declaration of Independence. I'm going to take this full circle to what we're talking about in leadership. And it's important because it's not in the Constitution, so technically it's not recognized as part of our laws. However, the Supreme Court recognizes that statement as something that is part of our our heritage. So the Declaration of right. Independence is no more than de declaring our independence from 
the United Kingdom or the, the British Empire at the time. So the reality is, is even though we all know it as Americans, it's not part of our legal documentation as our Constitution or our Bill of Rights. But it is recognized because it is part of our part of our ability. We want life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. You know, so right. I just want everyone to to anchor that. And here's the thing: is when we lead and we get a chance to lead and discover who we are, that is the pursuit of happiness. So even if we're not an entrepreneur and doing it, our team members get to do it. So your team members have this; they're pursuing happiness. They have this happy feeling by leading in your business, and right. it's really, really cool. And they're pursuing a purpose, which I think is cool. And so. From an ego standpoint, let's talk about for you, James, obviously this is your business, right? You've built this, you struggled, you had the hardship, you put the capital in. So like compared to other people, as we just talked about the Wolfpack, how and why do you release such control over the specials to everyone? And have you always done that? Or is this something that you're, you're getting used to now? Explain that to me a little bit, because I think it gives such empowerment and and happiness to the individuals that are doing it enjoy you know they get to go sure. home and feel like they've made impact yeah i mean like at the end of the day if that's what gets them out of bed and keep coming to work excited about things then i can put everything aside and be there to help them get there i mean when i first started being an executive chef everything i touched had to be mine and i you know it got to the point where I was starting to get these really good cooks in there, but my ego was getting them in the way and they wanted to do stuff. And I was like, Nope, that's not how we do it. We do it my way. And you know what happened to those people? They started leaving because they wanted opportunities and I was too scared to give them opportunities because I was still learning. You know what I mean? I was still figuring out what I wanted. Um, so, you know, earlier in my career, I definitely, made mistakes by doing that. And I was, you know, I've always told myself, if you're, if you're going to open this business and do it, make sure you, you keep the people that like coming to work around. I mean, my name's always on every dish that goes out, but that doesn't mean I can't give people credit for them coming to work and wanting to create something like creation is something that keeps people going, right? We're in this field to create. So give people the tools and resources to do that so that's 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 a big deal to me and i think that encouraging creativity in your business with food just the way that you are with the specials helps create creativity all the way around that way they're more open to bring feedback little changes that may influence your business outside of the food you're serving that could take you from you know uh, a certain size company to an even larger size company And so like, those are very important things. And I'm not saying that that's the whole purpose of being in business, but you'll be surprised. You know, everyone's like the flaming hot Cheeto. Okay, the flaming hot Cheeto was came up with by a janitor. Okay, really? I didn't know that. Yep. And the flaming hot limon Cheeto, which is better than the flaming hot one, which I wish they would serve all over the country. It's so much better. It has lime juice in it also. Oh, yeah. And um, it's my favorite freaking snack of all times. I have to you be want careful. Acid with spice, right? Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> you want that sour kick with the spice, and then the savoriness of the cheese and the Cheeto, and you're like, you know, it doesn't have any sweetness, but you know, you can always add that in yourself with a milk dud. 
And right. um, <laughs> and so, like, the thing is, is how incredible is that? So if anyone's really paying attention to what I just said, it was a janitor. He became, like, the marketing head of the company. It, it that, that flaming hot became literally part of many 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 different brands and snacks it became food that people produced in their restaurants there was a flaming hot spice that came out that was produced by you know the same company so it's not like you know it's it's unknown you know the walking taco which is basically a bag of chips with like taco seasonings or different seasonings in the same bag and you eat it on the go Right. One of the main things that helped start that business was the flaming hot Cheeto, because people because people that had works. it as a foundation. Okay. Yeah, that's wild how it all correlates together in some type of way. If it, you if you like it or not, right? It's still yeah, and it's no yeah. different than having the Dorito tacos at um, Taco Bell. Like right. these are things I'm talking about here. People see ideas, they come up with things, they they intermix it. There's a cool ranch one. Uh, regular nacho and I believe a fiery nacho at, depending on what Taco Bells you go at go to so these things matter you know they matter a lot I just actually interestingly had a hot dog in Nashville uh, the other day and they were putting Lay's potato chips on it they were just making why have a bag of chips when you can just have it on the hot dog I thought it was great just that simple right. thing why not and then I went to another place that was making burgers and they were putting Cheetos on the burger which I'm like oh, why would you do that it was phenomenal. I don't even know how right. to describe it. I mean, there were a texture. lot of different flavors and texture There's to it. More texture, yep. yeah. That's, I mean, that's what I when I. That's why I get so excited when these guys want to come in and create. But I also get excited to teach. I mean, you know, he Nico could come in with an idea, but I'm like, okay, well, we have acid. You know, we have sweet. We have, you know, texture. Like there's there's elements to creating a dish and it's not just whatever sounds good they're like you you know these guys have been doing it for a long time it's like you need a balance yeah also that's it's fun to teach that you know because not everybody knows that so well in the human palate being able to hit those different flavors or those flavor categories i will say um matter so much and to your point in the texture and the experience i mean the freaking donut burger i swear i still don't understand it and i fucking love cheeseburgers like i love them like it's like my one food that i will go to all the time like crazy weird like my first words were french fry by the way it's probably because my parents (laughs) went to mcdonald's all the time living a fast life but like i love cheeseburgers like i even got in trouble in one of my companies back in the day for saying i fucking love cheeseburgers in front of all the employees and i was in one of my bible belt states locations in the kitchen and like 50 some employees and i had a group of employees that really got upset about it when complaining to other managers and other business partners about it and i was like oh it's because i said the f word obviously but really i mean i can't describe how much i like it i like pizza i like hot dogs i'm like a you know, but I also like steak and chicken and I like complicated meals. But at the end of the right. day, the thing I like about burgers is not necessarily I'll just eat a cheeseburger. Don't get me wrong. But I really like it when there's the creativity of the person behind it. Like smash burgers right. is a whole new type of burger to me. Like it doesn't even belong in the same category as a cheeseburger or a hamburger. Like right. the and caramelization. Doing them differently too. Go ahead. That's the thing. What were you saying? 
uh, smash burgers. Like yeah. I, that term is so vague right now because everybody's doing smash burger in a different way. Yeah. And the company that's actually smash burgers, the company that has a chain, isn't actually smashing them into caramelization. They're they're still somewhat looking like a normal hamburger, uh, which I think is interesting. One of the things I do think, I'm just going to lay this in the audience, and we'll go into more of what you're talking about, is the um, is the ability to like smash other things other than just beef. I think bison, chicken, turkey. We're going to oh, see yeah. people starting to figure out all of those things. And I think it really, really matters in terms of like creativity. So I agree. Let's go back to the specials. I, I want to get focused back on, you know, Doughboys. Yeah. Like, do any specials end up on the menu if they do well, or are they you always yeah, keep them as special? Like, talk to me a little bit about that. That's basically how we did the – we just uh, took the BLT – so it was a we had a a, a, a spinoff of a BLT. So we did green fried tomatoes, which is obviously OG, um, candied bacon, um, candy bacon, rye bread, and then just dip lettuce. And um, I thought it would be like a great summertime, you know, BLT on the patio. But we had a point where it was just like it wasn't selling that anymore. So I was like, oh, I'm gonna run a sandwich special this week, and we we did a Cuban. And man, the Cuban is just the people are loving the Cuban. OG pressed on the flat top, super hard. And um last week I made the decision to take off the BLT and put the Cuban on the menu. So just like that. It's interesting because this goes back to what we're talking about. You gotta constantly be reinventing your business and keeping, you know, the game changing constantly because things do get stale people will go somewhere else if your business remains too stale that's why i asked the question because i want to anchor that point um and i in you know just based on who you are i know you're not going to leave something on the menu that all of a sudden falls out of fashion for example or falls out of popularity because you are running a business and you do have all these creative individuals including yourself uh running your business right so James, we're going to have to do a part three because I didn't even get through all the questions um, just so the <laughs> yeah, audience knows. So I'll have to absolutely. reach out to you again. And this is why I'm so different than any other podcast. Everyone tries to like do a one-hit wonder snapshot of every interview they do where I'm trying to constantly tell a story over time and, and continue to work with the entrepreneurs and, and their journey because I think it's just so important that we not just take snapshots. Businesses aren't run in snapshots. Success is not a snapshot. So a trophy is a snapshot here and there, but then the next day you still got to go back to work and try to win another trophy, even though you won one yesterday. So let's talk a little bit about ingredients, sourcing. I mean, you're a chef in background. You've grown up with a level of sophistication, I would say, in business uh, and entrepreneurship and mentorship with those around you. Like, how do you source your products? How do you come, you know... How do you bring in a candied bacon or a fried green tomato, for example, or maybe it wasn't fried, but um, the um, like, how do you come up with ways of sourcing this stuff? When you said, "Oh, I we're going to do an Armenian pizza," I believe it was. Yep. Um, how did you get the ingredients? How do you find them? Because they're obviously different than you're normally carrying. Right. So basically, the the first thing is obviously calling up my food purveyors and crunching the numbers like we're, we're not running we're not putting anything on the menu that isn't going to be profitable 
to some degree. So usually I, with specials, I always cap it at, at the most 50%, but I'd like to see 60, 70% profit depending on the product. So um, for a special, I'm running it just the whole week. So I have no problem with making 50% profit, but the actual like margins should be 70 for the business to run super successful to cover labor and all that. Uh, once we get that, that number and see how it sells, then, you know, sometimes you can go to your food provider and say, Hey, I'm guaranteed to buy this much this week. Is there any way you can drop the price in some type of capacity? You know what I mean? So, um, it's all about crunching numbers at the end of the day to, to make sure that it's profitable and it's going to work out for the business because a lot of people don't factor in labor or when you outsource the product, sometimes it's a two, one to two week lead time. So that's another thing that you have to factor in. If, you know, the green, the green tomatoes were you had to order two weeks out to get a whole case. So in my head, it's like you have to educate your team. You have to let them know, hey, when you take the last one, you need a forecast that could take two weeks to get these in. So, you know, not missing any steps is, a, is crucial for putting new menu, on, or new menu items on. And also, when you're outsourcing your products, you need to really tighten it up and really know every single week the price does change. So, you know, that's the back end of the business that nobody really sees me doing. That's what I do on Tuesdays and Wednesdays when I place the order is making sure that, you know, all those numbers that I have in the spreadsheet that are lined line up, they line up correctly. And we don't see a huge jump because once you see a huge jump week to week of your products going up, then you got to realize it's going to affect your business two to three weeks down the line. And you have to forecast that. So Outsourcing products is, is crucial for, you know, making sure you get a locked-in price and also the quality of the price is, or the quality of the product is, you know, up to our standard as well. Yeah, so, I mean, do you ask, when you find purveyors, do you ask for samples or sometimes you just have to trust what, you're, what you know? Because I've yeah. got to imagine it's a little bit scary not knowing or tasting the product before you get it. Yeah, a lot of them, you know, if we're... A big one is like bread. So we do mostly sourdough bread, but sometimes we outsource, you know, I say we want to do the Cuban, but I want it on a nice like ciabatta or something that's going to be more authentic towards the actual sandwich itself. Um, I'll always ask for samples. So he'll drop off three to four different loaves. I'll make, you know, I'll make the sandwich on three or four different loaves. The team will get together and eat it and be like, what do you guys like? You know, some people love this bread, but then at the end of the day, I'm mostly aiming towards how authentic can I make this dish, or if not authentic, what spinoff can I do to make it something different that people haven't had? So, you know, that that's always a factor, too. Yeah, and just um, one of the things how I know, well, you your pictures, I can tell the quality of the ingredients. The reason I also ask the question is because I know when I uh, in food, in the volumes of food we were doing, I would always make sure I got samples because if I just trusted someone, it was usually a subpar product, weirdly. If someone's like, just trust me, it, you know, and unless I really had a good relationship with them, it usually, and I've done right. it maybe 
There's been a few times where that's worked out, but a majority of the time it has not because it didn't match the flavor profile, even if it was a high quality product that we needed or were trying to achieve in that recipe. Right. Luckily, my my food purveyors I've been working with, I've been working with for 20 years now. So it's like these guys know exactly what my standard is and what I'm trying to put out to my my guests. So uh, most of the times when they say, trust me, this is a great product, you know, I go with it. And if it's not, then we figure it out after that. Yeah, very so, cool. Like those yeah. relationships really matter. And like I said, I had a Absolutely. few of those, a few of those, but it wasn't a majority overall, especially if you ever deal with broadliners, they're trying to push the the cheapest products sometimes. Yeah, uh, that, I mean, it's, it's what they make the most money on. The cheaper the product, the more they sell. You know what I mean? Exactly. So, at the end of the day, it's all a money game. And I know that my two to three guys that I order food from, they know it's not about the money. It's about the the quality of the product. And that's 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 why we built this relationship. That's why we work together so well because we're on the same page. So, well, and the quality keeps people coming back, not the price. Weirdly, like Correct. people are willing to keep paying for high quality, but if you get cheap, you're gonna just extract the money out of the the humans, and you're gonna make your more profit maybe, but they're not gonna come back. And, right, and that's that's not why we're here. We're here to have people. Regulars are is what pays the bills, man. At the end of the day, your regulars that come in weekly or other biweekly, those you know you got to give them everything you got because they're going to keep coming back. Yeah, and I'm going to anchor a couple things here. One is this: everyone goes to July seventh. There's a picture of your Cuban sandwich: the sourdough, smoked pulled pork, ham, pickles, Swiss, lemon aioli, and mustard. Okay, the, the pitch picture's phenomenal. The second thing I'm going to tell everyone about this picture, and it amazes me that how many people follow these businesses on social media, is you're wearing gloves in the picture or whoever's holding it, okay? In food service, like you want to make sure employees are wearing gloves. I can't tell you how important it is in the food safety of the food that you're eating and the quality of your food. You want higher quality. If they're willing to put on gloves and treat things with gloves and have that training in their business, they're going to be a better yeah. business. You want an indicator. Absolutely. It's more than an A plus score on the board as you go in for food safety. I get it. Those things matter. Don't get me wrong. You want those businesses to be inspected. But look at the staff. How are they handling the food? That will determine the quality. It will also determine whether or not that business is going to be a growing, thriving business because the owners, the operators, the entrepreneurs, and the team members of that business care enough about you and the food as a customer to protect you from anything that might happen poorly with the food. Okay? Absolutely. We take a lot of pride in that. For sure. Yeah, talk about that a little bit because I think food safety, I know we're, we're trying to wrap things up here, but talk to me a little bit about that food safety philosophy. Oh, food safety is everything, man. That's, that's, you get one, you get one bad rep on food safety and, and you are, you're, you're kissing years and years and years of hard work away. So it's like, you know, every day you got to practice and practice and practice and practice. It's like shooting free throws. It's like, Wearing gloves is shooting free throws. Just, you know, the more you practice, the better you're going to be. So, um, you know, we got all temperatures, thermometers, everything is, you know, sanitizer buckets. You know, we, we really, we run a really nice, clean kitchen. And that, that is like super satisfying to me because, you know, I've come from the worst 
impossible kitchens, dirtiness, and it, and it, it's icky. It's, it doesn't feel good going into work every day when you got two inches of uh, fryer grease stuck to the floor underneath those fryers that have been there for years. So, um, you know, and also just like the health department, you know, it's always nice when the health department comes to your establishment and eats. That is a, that's an honor. We, we have that. We have no issues with that, which is great. We see them once a month or at the bar eating, drinking, having a good time. It's nice to see them outside of work where they can come relax and do their thing, you know, but most of and then, then they walk in and they know it's, it's easy, you know? So it's just a good relationship. Always take care of the health department. They will take care of you. They will be there if you have any issues and have your back. It's one of the most important relationships you have have in the industry. Yeah, I agree 100%. 100% on this because the in so many people try to rush to go into business, they cut so many shortcuts and this is one of them. And you know, even on TV you watch like what what chefs are doing on TV, how they're preparing meals, are they using gloves? Well, I can tell you you can just watch, even though the person, the chef on TV may be famous and have a big name, watch the difference between a big name chef that uses gloves and the quality of their food and the way their restaurants are run, if you've ever been to one, and one that hasn't. I don't know why, but it's almost like, okay, good food is the entry point to the game. Building the standard operating procedures and the discipline around food safety helps build the discipline and the processes properly in your business as well. I don't know why. Absolutely. But it's it, structure, man. Yeah. Structure, structure, structure. And everyone needs rules in which they operate in. And those rules, right. interestingly, transcend the business. They are, from a government standpoint, they are from a human safety standpoint. And so having that as your business where everyone it, it starts off almost your de facto uh principles is your food safety you know yep. i and, used to work in kitchens and be so so tight when the health department would come in this this and that you're running around you're guess what if you practice what you do when they come in you don't have to miss a beat you don't you don't you'd have to change your whole operation because the health department just walked in if you work it and live it every day, you're just, hey, how are you doing? Let me know if you guys need anything and then get back to work and have confidence in, you know, have confidence in your own system and your own program. You know, that's that's the end goal, not to stress out when those guys come in. And I agree. I think always being ready for a food inspection and living life higher than what the food standards are, the food safety standards are, just sets you up to succeed. And again, it's a walk in the park. You don't actually have to go around holding their hand or having them worried about what they're going to find. Like it's unnecessary. You don't need to control the situation if your team's always doing it the way it should be done or even higher than should be done, you right. know? And so, um, and I say should, but it's really a choice. Like businesses have the choice to try to game the system or not. And right. that's part of, you know, again, what are the business's principles? And I think that that's why I wanted to anchor it with the gloves and all that. It's one of the notes I have here that I absolutely wanted to get through today because I think it is one of the differentiators between your business and other businesses for sure. Because a majority of the places I walk into, including in Nashville, including the, a lot of the food truck things I go to, they don't wear gloves at all. And Dude, it's just it's like, open, I mean, you got to wear them at all times. The fact we're in an open kitchen, yeah, that means it's 
that means no matter what, don't don't slip. Like just everybody put gloves on. Now when we're making pizza, gloves don't work with the flour and so but it's going in nine hundred degree oven when it's coming out. Yep. You know, we garnish with the glove, you know, all that. So. Yeah, and by the, and Prepare just to food. anchor the glove conversation, that's also if they're washing their hands before they're touching the pizza, they're oh, washing yeah. their hands when they use the restroom. I think all of those things matter, which I know you guys do. I can tell by the way you operate, and I agree with you. You can't, you can't do pizza with gloves on. It's very hard oh, to do no. a, do bread and baked goods with gloves on. It, it it really is. I do agree with that. Um, and I'm only learning that recently as I've gotten more into like learning about pizza and because mm-hmm. we produce food from scratch, but we only did muffins and stuff uh, for the hospital and healthcare and for the grocery stores. We, we outsourced the baking of breads and the things that we needed. So I spent the last year really learning about pizza and donuts and and baking breads and muffins and brownies and cakes, all of those things and the differences in there. And I will say, you know, it is a difference. And that's one of the things where I love about pizza. I have a whole different respect for it now, you know? And like I said, I love hamburgers and cheeseburgers. I fucking love them, but mm-hmm. I love them even more understanding the different breads now and what it takes to make them and sourdough and, you know, right. having that, you know, main specimen and, all of the things that, for lack of a better term, main culture, I forget. It's like the, the amoeba or whatever in, uh, I forget what they're called, in um, kombucha. There's always the main, like, little, like, sprout guy. I forget what the name is, the culture. But, um, the scoby. Scoby. Yes, sir. Yes. It's the scoby. Yes, I <laughs> love scoby. that term. Thank you. Like, a yeah. freaking pass the ball off dunk right you there for James. You ever had those scobies? energy drinks growing up like, yes way back way like back yeah way back and um and they'll always ring true for me and i like kombucha just saying oddly i'm like a huge fan of those things like i don't <laughs> i don't know why but i love that i love the probiotic sodas like that are healthy for you like i'm weirdly yeah for sure i like that stuff now um and i'm a huge fan of coca-cola don't get me wrong and i will drink pepsi like i i like soda it's like one well, my fault. It's like I I don't smoke, I don't drink, but I love the shit out of soda. And uh, yeah. so now having the alternates like kombucha and like some of these prebiotic and and probiotic sodas are really cool. Anyone out there listening, you should try some of them. They're pretty good, and uh, you can get them at your grocery store. They're a little expensive, but they're they're worth trying here and there. Uh, they're good for your gut. I think that that's the most important thing. And right, they're yep. good to eat with good food. I mean, or drink with when you're drinking good food. Um, and you, I also see a lot of places turning kombucha into alcoholic mixology drinks, which is kind of cool too in the flavor profiles that cool. are coming out of it. So, you know, I think that there's a big business there. So, Jim, James, I'm going to yep. call you both because I can't seem to get up straight which name I call you, but I guess it's the same person. <laughs> um, is there anything you want to – we talked about a lot today. I want to give you the platform and a little bit of time here to to just tie everything up if there's anything else you want to say based on what we talked about. And then also let anyone know where they can find you, if they're yeah. in Rochester, where's your location, <laughs> et cetera. Yeah, so we're, we're at 21 Richmond Street in Rochester, New York. It's a – old historic bar that we teamed up with Mortalis Brewing and um, re- revamped, remodeled, and ma- made it something special. Um, I, I just want to say thank you to my team, the whole team at Dope Boys, the team at Mortalis, 
Um, it's been a crazy ride the last year. We're approaching our one year, but um, everything's been worked out pretty, pretty nicely. And you know, I couldn't be happier with what we're doing over there. We're pushing every day to make nice, great food that's not going to kill you at the end of the day. And, you know, the vibes and the energy has just been immaculate. And, you know, ask me two, three years ago, if I, if we would ever had something this nice, I would have said no. So, you know, hard work, the whole team, I appreciate all your hard work. Thank you. On Instagram, right? Uh, did you say that already? I might yes. have missed it. Cool. And nope, so, because I'm too. always on there looking at all your food, <laughs> Doughboys uh, with a Z, Rock, R-O-C, and I'm just like, I can get lost. And even when we're talking, like, it's the page is staring at me on my computer, and I'm like, all the different food. I want to like like every picture. I'm like hearting everyone, double tap <laughs> the shit out of it. And um, so, I'm going to invite you back so the audience knows because we yeah. didn't really even get through, like, a, I think we. I went through like two or three questions, including the food safety. So we'll schedule something else. I appreciate cool. your time. Anyone in the, I appreciate you guys. Yeah, absolutely. And I uh, appreciate you taking the time to do this and, and reschedule and, and just your communication. It is definitely one of your superpowers. You're a really good communicator. And Thank I will you. say that is rare. A lot of entrepreneurs have trouble communicating. A lot of relationships, people have trouble communicating in their relationships. So I just, I totally respect that. I think it's, really one of the most important things in business and in life is our ability to communicate yeah effectively. and you can as long as you get better with it every day that's the only thing you can ask for you yeah 100 percent, i agree and uh for the audience out there if you guys like this show or you're a fan of doughboys like share it share the episode like it write a comment on the episode if you oh, really yeah. like what the show is like subscribe to the show also and like the show write a positive review for the show especially on spotify um or wherever else you listen to podcasts on or you're listening to this episode it's really important the episode does better just like the algorithms out there the more you guys interact with the episodes and the podcast the better they do so that is a shameless plug but it is the truth so you know, and Very trying true. to get these stories out there, trying to help other entrepreneurs out there or other humans that are in the food game learn from these episodes. It's important that we share them because this is positivity that's being shared here. So everyone's listening in. These entrepreneurs come on here. They do it for free to tell their story to help grow them. We just heard Doughboys and James is going to do a third episode. So he's volunteering his time to really tell his story and help individuals out there that are in a similar position, especially so they know they're not alone in the world because the entrepreneurial life, especially in food, can be very lonely. It's not the same in a lot of industries. You can find people, you can socialize, but when you're in food day in and day out and you're in that restaurant or in that factory or on that farm day in and day out, you don't really always get to surround yourself by other individuals that are in the game. But at least what I find is people are listening to these podcasts while they're at work, while they're in their restaurant. They're playing it instead of the radio so all their employees can hear these experiences so they can be the creative ones to create, quote unquote, the daily specials for their business outside of just the food. So I agree. I appreciate everyone who's doing that. I know we're in 139 countries now. I think we just crossed over to 140. I heard yesterday. I have to check that. I didn't verify it yet. But that's just telling everyone the impact. We're spreading a lot of freedom here. We're spreading independence and democracy and leadership and entrepreneurism and capitalism and industrialism here. Like we're building industries here. 
okay? The food industry needs all the help it can get around the world. There's not a lot of workers that are choosing to be in food anymore, interestingly, or team members. So this is part of what we're trying to do here is show that there is a path, especially if you work with the entrepreneurs and the capitalists that have the right mindset and are building mm -hmm. industries for the long term the right way with the right mindset with the right principles so for sure thank you everyone for That's supporting nice. it and um thank you james again um Absolutely. i love you guys in the audience i appreciate you guys you can find us on instagram again at justin the food entrepreneurs again you can find this show and all the other shows we do on spotify or wherever else you grow yourself through podcasts leave that review please guys and we're out <laughs>